You found us through fly fishing. You'll stay for our passion and the community. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. Yeah, but he doesn't get it. How come fly fishermen don't get it? You only haul with the short power snap. Look for where people walk and the insides of bends and hunt those. The roof blew off and the interior walls got sucked out. And the trees are just coming up. And I mean, he's clearly not going to clear the trees. It is not a fly fishing story. It's a story about me trying to understand my brother through fly fishing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We've been waiting for you. Follow our guests, follow us on Instagram, and share this episode and the love if you enjoy this podcast. And we are live in three, two, one. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on here and putting some time together. You are the the lucky winner of the Stonefly Net, the build-out bonus giveaway we did a while back. And uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about your background and the net and the process. I want to let everybody know, you know, not only that there's actually, you know, winners with these events we're doing, but just let them connect and hear about the story and really kind of that process with Stonefly. And, uh, and I just learned that you have some background in jiu-jitsu, which is pretty uh, amazing. Maybe we'll chat on that a little bit, too. Uh, before we get into it, bring us back to fly fishing. How, how did you, did, are you recently getting into this? Have you done this a while? What's that look like? I started when I was a little, my uncle Alan hired his friend Mel Krieger to, uh, on my 11th or 12th birthday for my twin brother and myself to take fly casting lessons. Um, so we went out to San Francisco. I'm from Oakland. We we went out to San Francisco to the casting ponds out there and met with Mel, and he gave us a couple hours of casting lessons, which was phenomenal. I had no idea who, who at the time. Um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I had zero idea, but but now I do. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, yeah, it was really kind of a fortunate fortunate thing, and uh, and I just fell in love with it right then. Just the motion, the art, um, and was lucky enough to be able to travel around the Bay Area a tiny bit and fish the little lakes here and there uh, throughout the Bay Area and then eventually went to college in Northern California where I fished quite a bit on the Mad and the Eel River and uh, a little bit on the Trinity. Um, and then I didn't fish for years. After college, I didn't fish for years. I was just trying to work and, and you know, join the, uh, you know, the, uh, the workforce. And then uh, finally, a few years ago, right before the pandemic started, my buddy Mike um, Mike reintroduced me to fly fishing again, kind of off a, a challenge. And um, and I'll tell you, the the pandemic was great for me. I spent uh, being up here by Yosemite now. Mm, nice. I spent yeah, I probably spent a hundred days of the the first year of the pandemic fishing, probably. Wow. Um, at at least, um, and you know that. The first year, year and a half, I wasn't catching anything, but I was just going out, trying to be diligent, trying to figure it out. And finally, some of the guys in the shops, um, whom I know pretty well, uh, the shops up here being Echo Adventure at Sonora Fly Co., oh, yeah. they uh, started to kind of take me under their wing, and I think they felt bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in all the time, you know, trying to trying to get advice 
place and I wasn't catching anything and finally they were taking me out and, and that just uh, the learning curve uh, shortened quite a bit, which was great. And I, I just feel really fortunate to those guys for helping me out and really getting me catching fish. Good. So, yeah, you mentioned Sonora Flyco, and uh, it was episode uh, 274. Um, and then uh, and we've had a couple since then. We had another one on Yosemite and actually had um, – we talked about actually a little on climbing because we had an outdoor episode with the Dirtbag Diaries. And, uh, and he brought up that story of Alex Honnold. I don't know if you remember that, the guy that climbed El Capitan without I ropes. I sure do. Without ropes. And, yeah, it's not – and, uh, but he has a podcast, right. With, with Alex and I, I've listened to a little bit. So, um, anyways, it's, uh, it's an interesting cool. area, I think. And so are you now in that area currently? Yes. Yes. I was living in Groveland, which is on the West entrance of Yosemite. Now I live in Sonora, uh, down the hill, just a tiny bit. It's really great here. Actually, we're kind of, uh, we're centralized so that we can access so many different pieces of water out here. Uh, there's the Tuolumne, there's the Stanislaus, there's the Merced, of course, that runs through Yosemite Valley, um, and then tons of lakes, uh, and of course, all the little streams. And, I mean, it's just, um, we're, we're so fortunate to be up here in this beautiful land where we can access, access these rivers to fish. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this is great. I think, you know, like we mentioned, there's a bunch of episodes we've done in that area and it's just uh, really cool. I mean, we hope to get down there again as well. Um, but let's dig into the Stonefly net. So you won this net. Maybe take us back there. What, what was that like? Um, you know, did you, were you surprised to, uh, you know, how did that all that look when you won the net? I was totally surprised and totally ecstatic when, uh, when I found out, when I, when I saw the email, yeah. um, you know, I, I, uh, being that I fish a lot, anytime I can, uh, I enter a few contests here and there on Instagram and anytime I win, I, I don't win much, but, um, every once in a while I do win something yep. and this is easily the nicest thing I've won <laughs> so <laughs> nice. far. Um, right. you know, and, uh, you know, I've won a bunch of jujitsu stuff and oh, stuff wow. like that. Nothing compares to, to this. This is literally a piece of art. Right. It's, so beautiful and um you know I, I debated with myself whether i should even go out there and net a fish with it and i thought well maybe i'll just go net one big fish with it or one right fish with it and then put it on the wall but um yeah i think i'm gonna use it a little bit more than that just kind of on special occasions sure um when i fish my you know i don't have any secret spots i'm willing to tell anybody any of my spots but yeah um there are some spots where uh, um that are definitely special to me, and I'm definitely hunting for a specific type of, you know, large trout, basically. Yeah, so. Cool. Good. That's it. So, so Ethan, you know, stoneflynets.com, we, we put this together with Ethan to basically, yeah, do a custom build-out, you know, with the winner. And yes. and so talk about how that worked with Ethan. Maybe break down. So you, you got the email, you won, and then eventually we connected you with Ethan. Uh, describe how that process worked. Did you learn a lot on how the whole thing works on the net build out? I had zero knowledge on how a net was built. So, I mean, it was so informative. Ethan was so informative and so helpful. Um, he had some great tips as I, as we went along the process, the amount of, um, choices the and options in woods uh, w was just incredible i had no idea that there were so many uh, different options you could put into a net um 
And then, of course, the process itself, um, choosing the woods, that was probably the hardest part, figuring out which one, uh, which woods I wanted. And uh, and once again, Ethan kind of uh, helped steer me in directions that were just, he was so helpful through the whole process and so informative. It was really great. Um, somebody that knowledgeable and um, really that passionate about what he's doing to help lead me through the, the process. Um, we ended on a Madrone burl hmm. for the handle, which is just, it's phenomenal. It looks so beautiful. The, the grain of the burl and every, everything. Um, it just came out way nicer than I could have ever hmm. dreamed truthfully. Right on. So what did you use for the, so basically the, there's a couple parts of the net. He's got the, you know, the handle, usually he can make some custom and didn't he make a custom piece or how describe that? Didn't you incorporate some of the, uh, like a jujitsu, um, logo or something like that? Um, well, we used a Madrone burl, uh, and then there's, uh, on the sides, there's a strip of Wangi in there, um, that he laid in there to represent the black belt, mm. uh, with which is great um, for my background in martial arts. And the contrast between the Wengi and the Madrone Burl in there is just beautiful. That's it. And did he, when he went through the process, did Ethan, did he walk you through each step of the way? Like, okay, you know, choose your stuff. And then he showed you kind of the build out. Did you see that whole thing evolve? I did see the whole thing evolve. And I didn't know that it was so, um, so involved, truthfully. Um, and, and it was really cool watching the whole thing. You know, he's, he's choosing the woods, he's staining them, he's stabilizing these things, he's putting them in vacuum chambers, which he's sending me pictures of the vacuum chamber and, and the whole process. He's sending me uh, texts and pictures of the whole thing, which is really informative. Um, the of curing is on whether I wanted a ferrule or not, which I, which I chose not to do um, because of the length and the size of the net. Uh, you know, he just, he was so informative, so helpful through the whole process. And I mean, you could tell that the guy is, is really passionate about what he does. I mean, it's just came out. It's a piece of art, really. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, this is good. We'll, we'll get some photos and get those in, like we said, in the show notes so we can take a look at it. Um, but it's, uh, it's made for, is it size wise for like trout essentially? Yes. Basically trout, uh, a little bit larger trout. Um, I've had some smaller nets that, you know, you get at whatever store and, um, you know, I've been through quite a few different nets. Um, and this is, uh, I think this is the net that, uh, you know, I'll use for all my special trips, um, especially when we're going way back into the backcountry, kind of targeting uh, areas that we know there are large trout. So, yeah, I'm feeling really, really privileged, really honored to, number one, also be able to have this piece of art out there with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. That's kind of the cool thing, right? It separates you from just the any other regular net you actually have. It's almost like a custom. I mean, it is, right? Custom rod, like you get this or whatever it is, and this thing that's just a little more right? The, the stories you tell and stuff when you have a custom piece of, you know, whatever, rod, net, it's pretty awesome. Makes it special, you know, really makes it special. I'm yeah. really looking forward to netting uh, some fish with this this thing. 
Sweet. Well, and you mentioned the black belt. So Ethan put a little uh, custom uh, design in there. Talk about, I want to hear a bit, little bit on the jujitsu because I think that's something I've, I've actually never tried, but I've thought a lot, especially I always think whenever I hear somebody talk about, I always think of Joe Rogan, you know, because he's kind of <laughs> out there with the podcast, but is, sure uh, is. It, I mean, he's, he's jujitsu, right? Isn't he, isn't that yeah. what he, yeah. Yes. He's, um, he's quite a, actually quite a well-rounded martial artist. Um, his kickboxing is phenomenal. His jujitsu is phenomenal. I'm not sure how many black belts he holds, maybe three, maybe more. I don't know, but, um, he's definitely, um, a student, a lifelong practitioner of martial arts. Yeah, uh, that's right. Um, which I am as well. My father, we were about four years old. He started us and, and I've done tons of, uh, different art here and there and uh years ago i started fighting uh mma again and i really didn't have a ground game i really really i shouldn't have been fighting at the time um that i started fighting again because i was just i had zero knowledge of the ground and i ended up getting choked out a couple times and my mm. wife was like uh-uh you need to go learn for real go learn for uh, some jujitsu wow. so i threw myself at jujitsu and I've been doing it for maybe six, 17 years now. Um, received my black belt in the, I think, the first year of the pandemic. Um, and I'm just, yeah, feeling really, really lucky that I can, um, that I have all these things in my life that I enjoy the fishing, the, the jujitsu. Um, it, they offset work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. How does that look with like jujitsu? Is it kind of similar to, you know, fly fishing in any way about like kind of meditative stuff or uh, is there any comparison? Ultra technical. Oh, okay. Both of them are ultra technical. Um, you know, uh, especially once you really start developing your skill, I guess, you know, at first I, I consider my casting almost like chopping wood at first. Mm. You know, I was cutting kindling out there and then, but as you go out and, and you, you, uh, you get more acclimated to it, just like the martial arts, you start to get your feel for these things. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, I, I find them ultra really, really, uh, similar, really similar, um, especially from the technical aspect, cause you're not just, you know, hucking a lure out there as hard as you can. A lot of the striking arts are uh can be viewed as uh, a little less technical maybe uh more brute and more blunt of a sport um so i i look at fly fishing more like the the highest technical prowess of fishing that you kind of achieve um and the same with brazilian jiu-jitsu in particular if you're really well versed in brazilian jiu-jitsu you you have to be technically sound um it helps to be strong, helps to be athletic and all those other things. But if you don't have the technique, you're going to get smashed on. Just like fishing, I think, um, you know, you'll catch some fish here and there, but how proficiently will you do it? Can you go read a piece of water? Can you, you know, figure out the entomology of, of, of the yeah. river? That sort of thing, you know? So definitely there's definite parallels between the two. There you go. There you go. And what is it? So you mentioned getting choked out. What what does that feel like when you're on the mat getting choked out? 
<laughs> getting choked out sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how does that do you, do you literally, I mean, like you're able to hit your right, hit your hand and you're done or how's, how's that look? Like take us, because like, we've all, I think we've probably all seen it. It doesn't look comfortable. Um, it, it's not comfortable and it's a long series of, of problem solving basically jujitsu is problem solving. Um, and yeah, and I'm a smaller guy. I'm about 140 pounds and being a teacher, especially up in this area where I am, there's a lot of larger country boys and stuff like that. So I'm constantly, um, battling against people way larger than myself, which is fun. It's a great challenge, but it's also can be intimidating and scary and, claustrophobic at times when a huge person is on top of you just trying to smother you and choke the life out of you but you have to calm down you have to slow your brain down and and uh take everything into perspective um which i found myself when i was relearning again especially during the beginning of the pandemic i'd i'd be on the river there would be my fifth day in a row maybe and i i haven't caught a thing all week (laughs) and and then i'd have to stop and remember to look up and you know uh slow myself down and remember look where you are you're in this beautiful setting right uh, yeah so it's it was um i think my jujitsu background helped me there in taking perspective of what was happening um and slowing myself down and saying hey you know um take it easy breathe yeah. take all this in regroup um regroup and try something new <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? right yeah right 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 yeah. what's the if somebody wanted to get involved in jujitsu i mean there's a lot of different things it seems like that's one would you recommend is that a good one for just your normal person who's never done any um any of that type of stuff to get started i would i yeah. i would definitely recommend that uh it's it's great for a, a ton of different uh reasons um you know, in any dojo, you're going to find a bunch of different practitioners for a bunch of different reasons. Some people are there to be in shape. Some people are there for the social aspects. Some people are there because they want to compete. They want to fight. They want to test themselves. Um, I find myself in all these different categories, um, you know, and, and I think the same, you know, if you, if you want to throw yourself into something, throw yourself into it, you know, throw yourself fully into it open your mind to it and immerse yourself in it just like if you want to become proficient with fly fishing you kind of have to throw yourself into it a bit um you know the guy who goes out there twice a year to try to catch fish and try to cast probably isn't going to be as efficient or proficient as the person who's there once a week twice a week three times a week you know um so I, I'm a, I'm a all or nothing kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like yeah. it. it sounds yeah. Like I like it. to throw myself into things and, uh, and especially once I find a love for it, you know, Brazilian jujitsu offers so many different things, which to me is great. The problem solving, the camaraderie, the exercise, the self-defense, the confidence, um, that you get just walking down the street and, I don't think the world is getting any safer, uh, especially in this day and age. It's kind of getting crazier, in my opinion. But, um, you know, so just having these skills, um, I feel like it helps me walk with my head a little bit higher every day and, uh, and helps me in every other aspect of my life, not only, uh, not only with jujitsu, but also with work and also with my family. Uh, yeah. 
Right, right, right. That's awesome. Yeah, and I've thought about that too, just with my girls. You know, they're as they grow up, I'm thinking like, hey, this would be something that would probably give them some skills that they might need at some point, right? Definitely. I have two daughters. Uh, they both took it. I have an older son who's who's also uh, took jujitsu for a long time, and he's coming back to jujitsu. Uh, 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 currently which is really nice but i really needed them in my head to feel safe to have at least a tiny bit of background with being able to defend yourself off your back uh yeah. being able to defend yourself with people trying to shove themselves between your legs right um you know and i i think for the girls uh for me it was uh it, it helped me out quite a bit in terms of having the confidence to send them into the the world the way it is right what's well, a good place to get started if somebody wanted to whether it was kids or you're you know an adult or whatever are there yeah i mean where are there places all over that you just google up something or what's your recommendation I mean, that's the the first thing is probably figuring out what's available in your area um also going most of the dojos you can go to you can get a free trial and i think the free trial is extremely important in acclimating yourself and and also making sure because you're not sure uh if you're going to like the people there and right. they're not sure if they're gonna like you and so to be able to feel out these different situations every gym is a tiny bit different um every dojo focuses on sl a slightly different thing um some places are really combat oriented. Some places are competition oriented. Some places are really self-defense oriented. I think starting as a, uh, as a self-defense alone, I think that's the most important thing. You know, there's a lot of competition guys um, and competition schools that are out there that teach quote unquote competition based techniques techniques that you would use in competition only versus on the street and i think uh, especially myself as an instructor it's great if i have students who can go out there and score a ton of points and win medals and all that stuff but that's not really my job my job is making sure that they can go out into the world and make it home safe at night and for me, having that emphasis at a dojo is uh, extremely important. I, I think it should be the number one concern for a coach. Right, right, right. Good. So basically, yeah, find out how where the nearest places, and then maybe test out a few and see what fits. Um, that's a great. That's great advice. Uh, and nice. Well, I, I guess so. We, we touched on jujitsu a little bit here. Uh, I want to hear on the. Are you a podcast listener? Have you listened to some podcasts over the years? What, how does that look? I listen to a few podcasts here and there. Uh, a little bit of some fight podcasts. I've listened to a few of your episodes. Um, I think the first one I listened to was. Uh, with Steve Potter, he was talking about hooks. Oh yeah, Steve Potter, right? Yeah, I was just really interested in that too because um, uh, I think he was from the Bay Area originally as well, from California as well. Yeah. And then he was fishing quite a bit of the Delta, which I haven't fished too much of the Delta yet, and I'm I'm really interested in in uh, tapping that. Right. Yeah, the Delta. So you've done a lot of freshwater stuff, but you haven't gone out for like the kind of estuary or salt sort of thing. Not too much. I've done a little bit of uh, salt in Hawaii in the flats. Uh, I go to. I, I was going to Maui a lot, so I was uh, fishing the flats there quite a bit, trying to trying to chase bonefish, which is still looting me. <laughs> um, 
I've fished a little bit in Mexico and Costa Rica, but um, really um, my salt experience is not extensive at all. And, and I really want to start doing a lot more. Yeah. Is that the next, uh, it feels like salt is always maybe that next thing after you've got trout dialed in a little bit. Is that kind of how it feels for you? You want to do, and it sounds like you're doing some traveling too already. So do you try to fit that in with your other travel with uh, jujitsu? I do my best to, um, sometimes like this last trip, I should have, I should have brought a, uh, um, a fly rod to Greece in the end. This last trip, I saw so many fish in so many different situations and, um, yeah, I, I can there. So next year when I go, I'm definitely bringing a rod out, out there. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, let's take it out here. Let's, let's give one, um, we're going to give a shout out, um, you know, this is a kind of our listener shout out, which is going to be uh, to you, Chris, because you've, you've just started listening, but uh, give us another um, podcast. You mentioned a couple jujitsu podcasts. What would be one that somebody maybe could, le- could they wa- listen to one of these podcasts and learn a little about like what it's all about? Gosh, um, there's the strenuous life podcast that I listen to. Um, I do listen to Joe Rogan every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and he has some guys on there that I, I will you know, when he's talking with Jocko Willink and some of these other guys, I, I like to listen to those um, those podcasts, definitely. Uh, but yeah, The Strenuous Life. There's also, gosh, what is it? There's The Fight Life as well that I used to listen to. I haven't listened to that one in, in quite a while, but that was a pretty good one. Um, I think that's about it that, that I listen to uh you know, on a regular basis. Yeah. 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 No, it gives us a, I always love to get at least one bonus podcast in. So I'll be, I'll cue that up later and maybe, uh, maybe we'll see next time we talk, maybe I'll have uh, be getting into jujitsu. That would be, that'd be pretty amazing. I feel yeah, like there's definitely. something, is there, is there a two ever a two old or is that something you could start at any age in your life? I think you can start it at any age. Um, I don't think there's a too old for anything. Truthfully, uh, we, you know, limits are things that we put upon ourselves and uh i feel like if um we don't do that uh you know life can be life can be way more open and uh yeah you know i i feel like the opportunity is there for just about anybody um for just about anything and 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 of course martial arts and of course fishing and uh yeah you know and, and those things can add so much depth and so much, uh, so much to your life. It's great. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. You've taken in these, it sounds like equal passions almost, right? You fly fishing, you had it early. I mean, you had it early and taught by one of the greatest of, of like all time, which is crazy. And then a little bit of break, but again, the seed was planted. And then when that opportunity, right, COVID and you got in, it sounds like you're just as into it as you are jujitsu. Is it kind of, is it almost close to the same passion? It is. It definitely is. And and there are days where, um, you know, my buddy, Mike uh, Bunnison, who reintroduced me to fly fishing, he also is the manager of our dojo up here. He's also a relatively high level jujitsu practitioner. So there are days where we will go work out real early and then we go hit the rivers. And, um, and it's really nice because, um, you jump in that river and it's cold. So it's, it feels really good on your bones, really good on the muscles um right and so we yeah we we try to do these these things where we go out we roll jujitsu hard in the morning and then we just jump in my truck and um you know we're throwing the fly rods in the truck and 
you know, we just zip to one of the rivers, jump in and, and start fishing. It's great. Right. So it is kind of, I mean, connected. Yeah. You're doing both. I love that. And you see, sometimes you see Rogan, right? I think I saw about there doing one of his cold plunges into the, uh, the ice bath. Have you ever, is that something that's recommended for jujitsu? It is definitely recommended for jujitsu. Um, I recommend it. I like cold plunging. I don't do it often enough. So you've done it. What, what you've done this? This is looks not. This looks harder. Is it is it harder to get choked out on the mat or, or do the cold plunge? Um, or what? Or not harder, but what? Which one is more pain? <laughs> you know, truth. Truthfully, uh, I guess it depends who who I'm looking at. You know? right? If, if you have some monster on the other end of the mat from you, it can be relative. It can be really a miserable experience. Um, it can be like. Uh, like quicksand, basically, oh, and and every little movement you make almost makes it worse with some of these really really high level guys. And they're the and the reason why they move, why you're able to move, is because they're letting you, they're oh. letting you move into a worse situation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's suffocating at times. Oh. But um, there are also times where you know, especially if I if I haven't cold plunged in a while, and you get into that ice bath, and it is. It is stingingly uncomfortable. Yeah, stingingly painful. Um, <laughs> for like what, like what, like a a minute? Like what's the length you people are getting? Uh, I like I like uh, a couple minutes, two to three minutes, if if you can. Um, you know, and sometimes just getting in the rivers with the snow melt is pretty pretty rough. It can be pretty cold, but. Um, you know, definitely not like, you know, dumping a, a ton of ice into your bathtub or into the uh, horse yeah. trough, whatever you're using, you know, and, and jumping in. That can, and then forcing yourself to just stay there. First of all, you have to control your breathing. Then you have to control you know, the pain of, you know, the sting of the cold and all these different things, which is, which is uh, just your mind, basically. Right, I mean, your mind. Yeah, trying to control you know what your mind is telling you right yeah that's part of the the pain yeah whatever you know but that is it's your mind is part of it i mean there is obviously pain there but you can control that that is that something that you is is taught in jiu-jitsu about learning how to control like the pain and, and not let it get to you sort of thing uh definitely controlling the pain but more controlling the panic in your head uh um, oh, right yeah you know, and it, you know when people first start the sport too they they look at it they approach it more from a wrestling aspect. So they're kind of out there wrestling hard and trying to use strength and endurance to kind of grind their partner into the ground or, or whatever they're trying to do, you know, as a novice. And you really have to, um, you really have to know how to bide your time and relax your brain so that number one, you can breathe. Um, and then number two, you can react properly. I always tell people, if you can't breathe, you, you're going to have a hard time fighting. <laughs> right. You're going to have a real hard time defending yourself if you can't breathe. So the breath and controlling the breath, I think, is um, is paramount. Wow. Good, good, good. Well, you've been, uh, and I know you, you mentioned at the start or, you know, off air, you're, you're kind of jet lagged. Where, are you coming off of a trip? Uh, where were you traveling to on this last trip? I was in Greece for yeah, about was two Greece. weeks. Yeah. Yes, yes. We uh, fly into Athens, and we stay in this little town called Kiapto, which is beautiful. And we um, uh, every year we kind of set it up a little bit differently. This year we set up a, 
a three-day summer camp. So all these schools were coming to us in Kyoto, which was real nice. We do two sessions a day, one in the morning for a couple hours, one at night for a couple hours. And we bring all these different black belts from all over the place to teach a little session here and there. You get an hour here, you get an hour there, which is nice. Um, other times we've uh, we've had different formats where we go and we teach in one town and then jump in the van and go to another little town and go teach at another school that day and then stay in that little town for maybe a day or two and then go to another town and, and teach and uh you know, then of course you're going into Athens quite a bit on, on those types of trips. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, wow. and teaching Athens quite a bit. Sounds fun. It is phenomenal. I would, I would recommend Greece to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one on the bucket list for sure. Yeah. Greece is there. Good. Well, I guess anything else on, on the net we want to talk about anything you want to highlight? I mean, we've talked about the design, um, before we head out of here, just, uh, any high level stuff, you know, um, just, Ethan, you yeah. know, Ethan and his, his work over there at Stonefly Nets. Um, I mean, the guy is making pieces of art, usable pieces of art. Um, and the process and the patience he had in, in me and in, in picking all the woods and picking all these different options. And of course, the way he walks you through this process, especially myself, I, I, you know, I'm a complete neophyte. I, I knew nothing about it. So, so he was so informative and so helpful through the whole process. It was really great. And, and nice. um, yeah, I, I'm just so honored to be able to, to hold one of his, let alone own one of his pieces of art. Um, the guy is, is high level and it's um, what he's doing is, is really special. Right on. That's well said. And and we'll make a note. We always do. Um, you know, we had this giveaway event, but, but anybody, if they want to get involved, we actually are just launching one today, uh, wetflyswing.com slash giveaway. So we have another big uh, thing going on uh, with part of our Stillwater. We're moving into to some Stillwater stuff now. Um, how's that look for you? Are you, are you mostly uh, streams or do you do any Stillwater fishing? Mostly streams. I do a tiny bit of Stillwater fishing at uh, certain times of the year and at uh, a couple specific places. Um, up, up in the mountains up here, there's a few places when they start opening up, uh, different areas in the high country, a bunch of my friends and I like to hit specific lakes up there because of, um, uh, because of the monsters lurking, <laughs> basically there's some, some nice, uh, there's some nice opportunities to catch some really beautiful, large trout up yeah. here. Yeah. We've been fortunate that's a still water thing well it offers that right so probably overall bigger fish i mean that's the thing about lakes they grow for the most part so if you can find the right place yeah and the right fish it's pretty it's worth it definitely is. nice okay well i think uh chris will leave it there and maybe just give us uh one uh we mentioned uh a little bit on the podcast you got it you gave us one podcast are you a, are you a, a music listener do you want to leave us with a a group a song a type of music before we head out of here Oh man, um, I was a music major in college. Which oh wow, is kind of fun. Um, I listened to a ton of music. I own California's oldest saloon on the west entrance of Yosemite, the Iron Door Saloon, and we have a ton of music there all the oh, time. Oh wow, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so we have you know indie rock and and classic rock, and uh, you know we've had Hawaiian music and French gypsy jazz and Western 
I mean, pretty much we've we've run the gamut, and uh, I'm just a music lover in general. My, my kids have me listening to Spotify <laughs> recently. Me too. Yeah, which is nice. Uh, you know, just kind of putting in a, a subject and, you know, yeah. that sort of My kids keep me up to date on just about everything. <laughs> Spotify's been amazing. It's been good for podcasting, too. They've really embraced podcasts and podcasting but it's it's great yeah i mean the fact that every song is there now you know and you just have to you know just search it and you can grab it it's Definitely. it's pretty awesome so good and i didn't even know so the california's iron door saloon that that's we'll put a we'll put a link that to, out there as well so people can swing by there and uh, definitely uh, we'll hit you up is that a um what's that is that more like restaurant bar is it it sounds like saloon it probably is a mostly a bar or do you get to do a little bit of everything it's definitely a bar we do a bunch of food there too we do breakfast lunch and dinner um a lot of live music we uh we have a general store there's a coffee shop attached that my uh brother-in-law yeah. oh wow who's the biggest who's the biggest band do you think it sounds like you know you've had some cover bands do you, have you had any bands that people would know of or what was your favorite Oh, yeah. Uh, we used to run an Eddie Money Classic. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when Ed was still alive. My uh, my wife's father was a famous uh, promoter for Bill Graham Presents, and he actually owned Bill Graham Presents with a few other principals after Bill Graham ended up passing away. Oh, like, was that the Grateful Dead? Was that the, the host of them? or? Yeah, exactly. He yeah. was the, uh, my, my father-in-law was the stage manager for the Dead for about 20 years. Wow. Uh, yeah, his name was Peter Barsotti. <laughs> Um, so we have, uh, you know, he, he did the day on the green. He was the one who named Lollapalooza and did the first two Lollapalooza tours. Uh, you know, he's, he built Shoreline Amphitheater amongst others, you know, um, yeah, so we used to run an Eddie Money Classic for two days, which was fun because we would uh, attach a golf tournament to it, mm. and we'd bring up a bunch of athletes and tons of musicians, Mike Reno from Loverboy, Jimmy Jamison, James Caverty, uh, Gary Wright, uh, who just passed away, unfortunately, rest in peace, um, Dreamweaver guy. Oh, right. But, yeah, we would do two nights of, of music, raising money for the kids in the Groveland community, and uh, that was, it was a lot of fun. You know, we've had a ton of other big time musicians as well in, in different genres. Uh, and that's been really fortunate. And uh, because of my father-in-law's connections, um, the music that we were able to, uh, to these musicians we were able to have access to was, was really high level and really phenomenal. We're really lucky. We're lucky. Wow. <laughs> what, what was what, Eddie Money? I know he had, so what was one song people would know of that? was fan uh, two tickets to paradise oh yeah <laughs> that's right yeah that's, that's classic good. two tickets yeah. to paradise yeah well yep. that's good stuff yeah amongst you know he added some other hits and actually his guitar player still lives in town uh johnny uh johnny gunn and he plays the bar quite a bit with yeah. a couple different bands the penetrator groove band and then his uh and the wanted you know wanted gun and stuff like that that's yeah, so good. that's good. I love it. Yeah, this is why I love the music uh, kind of question, because it's always it always generates something good. 
you know, Eddie Money, I wouldn't have thought about, but I remember, yeah, Two Tickets to Paradise. He's got all sorts of stuff. So good. We'll we'll, uh, we'll throw a link there to Eddie Money in the show notes, and we'll we'll get something. Maybe on Instagram, we'll we'll, we'll get you going with something there too. But uh, yeah, Chris, this has been a lot of fun today. Um, thanks for catching us up on the Stonefly Net Build Out Bonus. You know, uh, you're the winner this year. We're we're gonna do this again, hopefully next year. So, um, uh, but yeah, man, and it's been good. Hopefully, if you get a chance, definitely check out the podcast and let me know if you have questions with that. And uh, yeah, thanks for all the time today and looking forward to uh, staying in touch with you. Thank you. Definitely, definitely. Um, I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you so much. Um, and when I net my first fish with this, uh, I'm definitely going to send it to you. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, do that. Do that. And we'll send everybody out to at uh, Chris Saloon on Instagram if they want to check in with you and follow you. And yeah, I guess follow uh, your, uh, your, your saloon as well. That's maybe the place. Is that where you can see some posts of like live events and stuff there? Yes, definitely. Good. All right. Great. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thank you. Have a great day. That is a wrap. You can grab all of the show notes at wetflyswing.com. And please follow us on Instagram and share this episode out with someone you love. Please send me an email, dave at wetflyswing.com, if you have any feedback or want us to put together an episode on this podcast for you. Check in anytime. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and would love to meet up with you on the water. We have new fly fishing schools going all year long and all around the country. So if you want to connect, let's do it right now. All right, time to get out of here. I hope you have a great evening. I hope you have a great morning or great afternoon wherever in the world you are. And I appreciate you for stopping by and checking out the show today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.